Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Daf Shvui. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. I am Aryeh Cohen and we are here in beautiful, sunny Southern California. Um, and we have a lot to cover. We're on uh, Baba Bacha 7B, Zion Amud Bet. We're going to start with the Mishnah. We're transitioning here from neighborly relations, as you've seen in the previous, we've run across in the previous tapim, previous episodes. And uh, we're moving into more public policy rather than neighbors fighting with each other. Um, though we'll see that uh, the struggles between neighbors continues. Um, but we're moving also into the city. Okay, some more general concerns and all that that entails. And we're now moving into what's more or less Masechet Staka, one of the two largest extended discussions of poverty relief in the Bavli. So we'll start with the Mishnah. Kufin oto livnot beit shar v'delet lechatzer. So the first thing it says that we, they force him to build a gatehouse and a gate for a courtyard. And Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says that not every courtyard uh, needs or is appropriate for a gatehouse. They uh, force him, they coerce him to build a uh, wall for the city and a double door and a, a lock, kind of a, 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 a a beam that goes across the door. says not every city is appropriate to have a wall. How long does a person have to be in the city to be considered as as a resident of the city? 12 months. But if one buys a, a residence in the city, then he is considered as a resident of the city, Ganshe'ir, immediately. So the debate seems to be uh, unfolding that the anonymous opinion, the Tanakama of the Mishnah, um, is more expansive in what uh, the residents, general residents of a courtyard can force upon a singular resident. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel is more conservative in the sense that he's narrower, stricter in what one can force someone else to do. So you can, uh, if, if, if it's like kind of a condominium situation, if the condominium committee says, okay, we have to have a machine gun nest in the lobby uh, for security purposes, then that's okay. Everybody has to chip in. Uh, Rajun Gamil says, wait, is, are we being attacked? And sometimes it is not appropriate. So that's the difference between Rajun Gamil and Tanakama, and that will unra- unfold in the Gemara as we go on. Uh, now, this we move on to the Gemara. So the first piece in the Gemara here is interesting. It is a Stamaitic piece, and it contains a, a story of Eliyahu, Eliyahu the prophet, the one who comes around every year on Pesach. But it is a piece that's in the manuscripts, is not actually found necessarily in, as the first piece, but uh, some later on. And the Gemara continues as if the piece didn't exist. In other words, the Gemara, the order of the Gemara is usually commenting on the Mishnah line by line. And this piece seems out of order. And it, oftentimes we have it here elsewhere, for example, in the eighth chapter of uh, Bhavakama, there are 
large chunks of stama idik, that is late parts of the Gemara, that end up on the cutting room floor in some of the recensions or end up in different places and, and move around. So here we're going to read according to the way that it is in the Vilna shot in the Vilna Gemara, in the printed editions. Lememra, this is to say, so meaning uh, commenting on Kofinotol of Not Beit Shar Lachatzer, that we force somebody, we can coerce, we coerce one of the residents to build or to chip in for the building of a gatehouse and a door for the for the for the courtyard. Lememra, this is to say, that building a a gatehouse is a good thing. Otherwise, we wouldn't uh, allow them. Uh, we wouldn't allow uh, the other residents to force a person to build it. However, what about this story? The Lememra is always setting up a counter claim. what about how Chasida that? Righteous person, who Eliyahu would always, on a regular basis, come down and talk to him. Avad Beit Shar, so this Hasid built a gatehouse. Eliyahu no longer spoke with him, no longer appeared to him. So that would seem to be a strong argument against being able to build, against the, the gatehouse being a good thing. So then why was the mission implying that it's a good thing? La Kasha. So the Gemara says, that, no, that's not a problem. That's always a regular progression. The Memra, Ha, Lo Kasha. Right? This, there's an implication of the Mishnah. However, we have a counter text, La Kasha. And no, we can now harmonize the two texts. La Kasha. Ha mi Gavai, Ha mi Brai. So as you know, one, of the, one is from outside, one is from inside. Meaning that the gatehouse that is okay, the gatehouse of the Mishnah, is the gatehouse that's inside. The gatehouse of that Elio left is the gatehouse that is outside, and therefore, as Rashi says, it it serves as a buffer for the voice of of poor people who want to call in and they can't be heard. And if you want to say that both of them are outside, Balakasha still it's not a problem. So the one, the Mishnah has a door, meaning that a person could walk through poor person could walk through into the end of the gatehouse and then uh, call from there. So it doesn't serve as a buffer. So perhaps both of them are talking about both the Eliyahu story and the Mishnah talking about when they, when they, when they have a door. Still, it's not a question. You can harmonize them by saying that the, the good one, the Mishnah's one has a a key, kind of a key in the door, and uh, the Eliyahu one did not have a key in the door. There's no way to open it. Key is kind of like a combination lock key in late antiquity. Or perhaps you say that both of them have kind of this this key. If a lakash, it's still not a problem. This one, the bad one, uh, has the the uh, key inside, and the good one has the key outside. In other words, so that somebody from the outside, a poor person from the outside, could open the door and go in. And it seems that the difference between the good gatehouse and the bad gatehouse is the good gatehouse allows access to a poor person who wants to come in and uh, ask for for charity. That's at least according to the way that Rashi Rashi and most of the Rishonim understand that. Okay, so now moving on in the Gemara. Now the Gemara is starting to take the Mishnah line by line. We force him to, we can coerce one to build a uh, 
gatehouse and a gate for the courtyard. So here we have a different version of the Mishnah. The Rebbe Shem Gamliel says that not all courtyards are appropriate to build a gatehouse. Rather, only a courtyard which is next to the public domain is appropriate to have a gate yard, gatehouse, a and one that is not next to the public domain is not appropriate to have a gatehouse. In other words, we're worried that people will be walking down the main street. And if your courtyard is right next to the main street, the main thoroughfare, during rush hour, people will be pushed into your courtyard even accidentally. Verabanan, and what did the rabbis say? Even though, why did the rabbis say that all chatzirot? So, because even in a case where it's not rush hour, sometimes people will be pushed into uh, your your house, and even if it's not right next to the rishut rabim, it's still even right not right next to the public thoroughfare, still have a concern. What's interesting here is that uh, neither what's not what we've been talking about all the way up until now, and actually this mission, remember when this mission was, was quoted in the earliest sugya of the Gemara, uh, they didn't talk about Hezegria. They, they didn't bring up the, the question of privacy issues as they've been doing up until now. Okay, we continue in the Mishnah. Kofino tolev not le'ir, moving on to the second half of the Mishnah, we can coerce one to build for the city a wall and a double door and a beam to, to keep the door locked. So here we have another expanded version of Rameshim Gamliel's statement. Rameshim Gamliel says that not every city is appropriate to have a wall, but only a city that's on the boundary land borderlands is appropriate for having a wall, and that which, the one that's not on the borderland, is not appropriate for having a wall. Rabbanan, zimnin demakru va'ati gaisa. And rabbis, the Tanakam and the Mishnah, their theory is that perhaps, sometimes it happens that uh, an army, will, an invading army, will come in even and attack even a city which is not on the borderland, so therefore every city can have a wall, and it's not just kind of a decorative thing. Bamine, Reb Lezer, Reb Yochanan. So Reb Lezer asks of Reb Yochanan, Krehen govin lefina fashot govin, o dim lefishevach mavon govin. So now, this is a question of public policy. How do you tax people to support the wall? Do you do it according to per capita, according to how many people? So if you, each person pays a standard amount, or perhaps according to the amount of money you have, and so then it's if you have more assets, then there's more at risk for you. So Rabbi Yochanan answers Rabbi Lezer and says that we that we uh, collect the amount of money according to the assets that a person has. And then he turns to his son and he says, make this a definitive ruling. Kvaba Masmiro, literally pound nails into it. And there's another version of this same tradition that Rebbe Lezer asked Rebbe Yochanan, so now the question is, when they, in this version, of the, in this tradition of the question, when they collect uh, to support the wall, is it according to how close the houses are to the wall or according to the assets that each person has? And this is contentious amongst the commentators, but seemingly 
those who are closest to the wall are more at threat. So Rabbi Yochanan says it's according, it's according to the distance of a house to the wall. The closer, the more money they, they, they collect. And then he turns again to his son Elazar and he says, see this as a definitive ruling. Now this is a problematic. So for the, for the uh, halachists, it's problematic because you have two different versions, and what is it? So starting with Alfasi, Alfasi seemed to say that it was seemed to understand it as being one large question uh, of with three possibilities: per capita, closeness to the wall, and assets. Later on, folks start using the three of them, and for example, Tosfot and also Rashi, and then saying that even though it could be that you're collecting that you're closer to the wall, you have to pay more. However, a poor person, and this is Tosa, a poor person has to still pay less than a rich person in the overall. So it's a complicated, they work out a complicated algorithm so that it doesn't end up that a rich person who lives in the center of the town pays more than a poor person who lives at the side of the town. The Yad Ramar, Mayor Levi Abulafia, actually cast doubt on the whole notion of what it means to be closer to the wall and actually says that it has nothing, that that's only talking about when they're building a wall from scratch uh, for various complicated reasons. But uh, when the wall is up, then everybody pays according to the amount of property that they have. So if you have 500 square feet, everybody pays like per square foot, even though, of course, in medieval Spain, they didn't use feet. Okay. So we continue. So we move on. So that's a, a, a kind of a complicated issue. Rabbi Yehuda Nesia Rama Deshura Arabanan. So next question. What about Tamidei Chachamim? Do sages have to pay just like everybody else? So Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, uh, Rabbi Yehuda the prince, puts uh, the tax for the wall on the rabbis. The rabbis had to pay the tax for the wall. says, no, the rabbis don't need guarding. So why would they have to pay? for? They don't have to pay for the wall. So I will, as it, as it says in the in the verse, um, in Tilim, I will count them and they are greater than sand. So who's it talking about when it says, I will count them? Who's the them? So if you're talking, saying that this, these are the righteous people who are uh, more plentiful than sand. But actually it says, it says elsewhere in Breshid, in the promise of God's promise to Abraham, that Israel will be uh, more than the sand. There's a, the sand on the beach. So tzadikim atzmam mechoyerbum. How could the tzadikim also be greater than the sand? He can't have tzadikim greater than all of Israel. Logical paradox. Ella, hachikamar. So rather, this is what it means. Asaprem lamaseim shel tzadikim mechoyerbum. So I will count the deeds of the righteous and they will be greater than the sand. But Kalba Homer, and it's it is a Kalba Homer, a an argument from lesser to greater, kind of. Umachol Shemuat Magain Al Hayam. So just as sand where it's little and it uh, or small uh, small amount and it defends or protects the the coast from the sea, Masem Shel Tzadikim Shem Rubim Lo So the 
deeds of the righteous, which are great, all the more so that they protect themselves. So therefore, the, the, righteous, the righteous, the Tamirei Chachamim, shouldn't have to pay for the wall because it's their deeds which protect them. And this debate uh, might seem familiar because it's partially in play in, for example, in Israel, when whether or not yeshiva students should go to the army and part of the reason why yeshiva students shouldn't go to the army, but only partially. Okay. Ki ata lakame de Rabbi Yochanan. So when this came before Rabbi Yochanan, Amalei, my time alone, Tamalei meha. So he, Rabbi Yochanan said, Why didn't you use the following as a proof? Ani choma vishadai kamigdalot. I am a wall and my breasts are as towers from Shir Shirim. This obviously doesn't mean that, but it means Ani choma zutora. I am a wall. This is Torah, and my breasts are like towers. So in other words, it is the Torah and Talmidei Chachamim which are protecting. So they don't need a wall. And Reish Lakesh himself understood this as Rava explained it. So Rava said that actually, this is all of the people Israel. And my breasts are like towers. These are the synagogues and the study halls. So that's the way we play Midrash. In other words, if there is a pasuk that supports one Midrash and as against somebody else here, like the pasuk of the sand on the ocean versus the I am a waltz, then the other guy has to figure out what to do with the pasuk that was used by the first guy. Okay. Rav Nachman bar Rav Chista Ramacharga Aramanan. So now we have a second account where Rav Nachman, son of Rav Chista, put the poll tax on the rabbis. Now, the rabbis had to pay the poll tax. I'm really Reb Nachman Bar Yitzchak. So Reb Nachman Bar Yitzchak said to Reb Nachman Bar Chista, Avarta Doraita Vadinvi Vatiktuvi. How can you do that? You have transgressed the prohibition from the Torah, from the prophets, and from the writings. Adoraita, prohibition from the Torah, for it says, Dichtiv Avchovev Amim Kol Kedoshav Biyadecha. So it says in Dvarim, the end of Dvarim, so just at Avchovev Amim, even the, the most, the beloved amongst the nations, Kol Kedoshav Biyadecha, all of its holy ones are in your hand. Amar Moshe Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe said before, the Holy One of Blessing, Ribbono Shalom, Master of the Universe. Afil Amim, even though you like a lot of nations, Kol Kedoshav Biyadecha, your Holy ones are in your hand, and seemingly implying here, Kol Kedoshav is the holy ones being the Tamidei Chachamim, the sages. Vehem tu kularaglecha, and then the the verse continues that they will be at your feet. Tzni Rav Yosef El Tamidei Chachamim shemachatetin raglehem meir leir. That these are the Rav Yosef says these are the sages who move their feet from city to city, from, from place to place, province to province, little mode Torah to teach, to learn Torah. So they will raise up your, or they will carry your words. That is, they will give and take in the words of God. In other words, they will learn Torah. So uh, this shows that God is the one who's taking care of these sages who are involved in the study and teaching of Torah. So you also transgress. 
Rabbi Yitzhak says, you also transgressed a prophetic warning. So this is a, a verse which is somewhat uh, complicated to translate it literally. But literally it means even if you, Yitanu here is Litanot Avim, like even if you gain allies or lovers amongst the nations, I will still gather you. Now, is also another crux. And so you will start, so Ma'at could be a verb here. You will start becoming smaller or less, lesser in terms of population because of uh, the oppression of kings and and princes. Amar Ula, so, so now, however, Ula doesn't care about the Pshat. He's going to completely change it. Amar Ula, because of, probably because of, Midrash is always easier in a Pasuk, which is hard to explain anyway. Amar Ula, Ula said, Pasuk Zeb Lashon Aramit Namar. This verse was actually, you think it's Hebrew, but it's actually in Aramaic. It doesn't say Ki Yitznu Bagoyim, but rather Namar I Tanhu, Tanu Kulhu so ki yitznu actually should be read i tanu. Tanu is lishano to teach. If everybody taught Torah, I would now taught learn Torah. I will now gather. I would gather them in right away. Right? Redemption would come. The imaat mehem, and if only some of them yachelu mimasa melech. Sarim, and even if only some of them taught, then I would start with those Melech Sarim, obviously referring to the teachers of Torah. So once again, they don't need to; they protect themselves. Adiktuve. So also, there's also a uh, pasuk in the writings, Dichtiv, and this is from Daniel. Manda blo vahalach lo shalit lemirma alehem. So here, this verse from Daniel, and it is a proclamation to say that all the priests and the Levites and various other officials, which Rashi says it refers also to the Ansheik Nesetagdolah, the men of the Great Assembly, Palchei Beit Allah Dinaminda, that's the the ones who work in the in court of God. That might be why he says that, but. That these three types of tax will not be put upon put upon them. Once again, showing that they are they don't have to pay taxes. That the minda is kind of a poll tax for the king. Blow Gulgalta and blow is is a per capita tax. And halach is a property tax. Rav Papa Rama Karya Chadita Ayatme. So Rav, uh, actually most of the manuscripts say Karya Patya. Rav Papa put a tax to dig a freshwater well on orphans. Now moving from sages to orphans. I'm going to Rav Shisha braid Rav Edi. Rav Papa, so Rav Shisha braid Rav Edi challenged Rav Papa. So maybe what happens if there's no water? And then you're stealing from the orphans and uh, you can't give it back. So actually, he says, Rapapa says to him, you know what? We take the money from them. If it, if we dig and it, 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 it gives water and there is water there. So then, fine. If not, we'll give him back their money. Amar of Yehuda hakola egle gapa. So Rabbi Yehuda says everybody has to pay the tax for Rashi. Says egle gapa is gates of the city. 
Sakalov says that he doesn't know what Egle Gapa means. Afilamiyatmi, but it's something, and even the orphans have to pay for it. But Rabuda says the sages do not need protecting, so they don't have to pay for this. Everybody has to pay for the fresh water. So going to Rabbi Huda, everybody has to pay to dig a fresh water aqueduct or spring. Well, even the sages. And that's not talking about, that's only talking about when you're, they're not all going out together. Like, Hey, let's go dig a well, or let's go build an aqueduct. Um, but if the whole population goes, the rabbis are not ones who go out and are part of a work gang. They'll pay money, they'll chip in for the tax, but they are not. They don't go out to build as part of a work gang. And Rashi says that they actually hire others to do it for them. It's not befitting their stature, apparently. Okay, so now a story, story time. Kick back, popcorn. Rebbe patachot sarot bishnei So Rebbe opened the granaries in the years of famine. So it's not clear whether these were Rebbe's granaries, Rebbe's grain storehouses. There are some of the manuscripts who say Rebbe Patach Utsrotav which would mean his own. And there are other Agadah that say that Rebbe was actually very wealthy. But Rebbe opened up the uh, granaries in the years of famine. Okay, so that kind of is a very dramatic opening. So we know it's a year of famine. You know, the people are starving or people, and Rebbe, in order to solve the problem, opened up the granaries. Amar, he said, Ikansu balei mikra, balei mishnah, balei talmud. So balei halacha, balei agada are not, even though they're in the printed edition, they're not in the manuscript. So he said, those who learned Torah, those who learned Mishnah, and balei talmud or balei gemara refers to those, because it can't refer to talmud because it's in the talmud. So balei talmud are those who discuss Mishnayot, right? What has, what becomes our Gemara is what they're talking about. In other words, people who discuss, who ask questions and answer questions about the Mishnah. Okay. So those are the ones who can come in. Balei Mikra, Balei Mishnah, Balei Gemara. Aval Ameha Aretz, Al Yikansu. But those who are not schooled in this tradition, which might mean, it's not clear, there's a whole literature about what Ameha Aretz actually means. If you remember in this past week's parasha, Avram buys uh, the uh, burial plot for Sarah from the Amha Aretz, right? Ephron Achiti is called the Amha Aretz. Now, the Amha Aretz there obviously doesn't mean an ignorant one, but it means a native, right? Somebody who is native to that area. So here, Ameha Aretz might mean, eventually Ameha Aretz means you know, an Amaretz, like an ignorant person. But here, Amaretz might just mean those who are not, who do not consider themselves under the authority of the rabbis. And therefore, they do not study the rabbinic curriculum, which is Mikra, Mishnah, and Talmud. So uh, Amaretz are not allowed to come in. So not being part of the rabbinic guild means, or the rabbinic community, or, or being under the authority of the rabbis, means you don't get food. Dachak Rabbi Yonatan ben Amram v'nichnas. Rabbi Yonatan ben Amram, just pushed his way in. Amarlo Rebbe Parnasani. And so he said, Rebbe, feed me or support me. But 
literally, but literally support me, but feed me. Amarlo bni karita. He said, did you study Torah? Amarlo lav. He said, no, I didn't. Shanita, did you study Mishnah? Amarlo lav. Then he says, so he asked him, im kemba me'a fernescha. So by what, by what right shall I give you food? Amarlo, so Rabbi Yonatan Menachem answers, parnaseni kekele v'cha orev. He says, so feed me like the the dog and the raven, meaning that, well, it's not clear exactly what it means, but it could be that they get their food because God takes mercy upon them. They don't have to work for the food. They don't have to know Torah and they don't have to know Mishnah in order to be fed. It's not really clear what this Kelebo rave here is. If you're interested, take a look at Rashi, who has an interesting take on it. Could be that this is, you know, this is reminiscent of some of the parables of, you know, that Jesus told about those, the, you know, the flowers in the field or birds who just don't have to work for the food but get fed. Anyway, unclear whether that has anything to do with this. Okay. Parnasse, so here, but but this was apparently a a convincing argument, and Rebbe gave him tea. Butter Dinafak, however, after he left, Yativ Rebbe become star. Rebbe sat down and he was he was was troubled by this. Woe is me because I gave bread to an Amaretz. So his son, Rib Shimon, came and said to him, Maybe actually it was Yonatan ben Amram, your student, who doesn't want to benefit from the honor of Torah for all his days. So he actually knew all this stuff, but he didn't want to say that he had learned Torah and therefore should be fed. He rather said, feed me like God feeds the animals. Uh, so they checked it out and actually it was true. As we know, it was Yonatan ben Amram. So Rebbe says, everybody should come in. Rebbe, so so the question is, did Rebbe really change his mind or is he worried they changed his mind about Amearis or was he just worried that maybe there are more Yonatan ben Amrams um, who are sages, actually sages, but don't want to announce that in order to benefit from that. So he didn't want them to lose out. Rebbe Latame. So the Stam, the, uh, in commenting on this story, says, Rebbe was going according to his way, to his method, Dhamma Rebbe, because Rebbe said, Because the only reason that bad things happen in the world is because of Amearetz, those who aren't part of the rabbinic community. Kahahu, so this is like another story. So there was a tax, a royal tax, which was put upon uh, Tiberius. So everybody there came to Rebbe, and they said to him, So the sages should pay along with the rest of us. So Rebbe said to them, No, they don't have to pay. So they said to Rebbe, Arukinan. So, so we're going to run away. And then there's not going to be anybody to pay taxes. Armale Aroku. So he said to them, All right, run away. What do I care? Arku. So they ran away. Arku Palgehon. And so he said, So half of them ran away. Dalyua Palga. So the king forgave half of the tax. Atuhanu Palga coming to Rebbe. So the ones, the half that remained came before Rebbe. 
Amarlay, late for Rabbanan Badan, they said, so the rabbis should, uh, the sages should pay with us, should ship in to pay the, the remaining half of the tax. So Rabbi said to them, no, Arukina, Arukina said, Willie will run away. Aroku, Arukina and Aroku. So he said to them, go, leave. Arku, Kulu. So all of them ran away. Pashahu Koves. So there's one laundryman who is left over. And laundryman kind of is a, a character that appears in a number of Agadot of the rabbis. Uh, unclear to me why. Shadua Akoves. Um, so they, they put the, all the tax on this one laundryman. Arakoves to the Koves, the laundryman ran away. Paka Klila. So then the crown, the representative of the government said, you know what, you don't have to pay the tax. I'm a Rebbe. So Rebbe said, See, the only reason that bad things come to the world is because of the Amehares. Okay, moving on after this ambiguous story about the role of sages and famine relief and debt relief. So how long does one have to be in a city and to be like the residents of the city? So there is a contradictory text, a text that seems to contradict our Mishnah, because our Mishnah says you have to be in the city for 12 months. But we have a text that says the following. The donkey driver and the camel driver that goes from place to place. And rests in an irony dachat, which is a city of idolaters, which has to be destroyed. And is adjudged along with the city, just bad timing. So they, those who are just passing by, um, are stoned and their money is saved. In other words, their, their assets, their resources are saved. However, if they stay there for 30 days, so they are killed by sword and their money is lost, just like everybody else in town. So it seems that you need only 30 days to be considered as a resident of the city as opposed to a Mishnah. Amar Rava, so Rava says, no, this is not an actual problem. This is talking about Bnei Ha'ir, our mission is talking about Bnei Ha'ir, those who are actual residents. These are talking about Yoshvei those who are just temporary. Kiditanya, as we have in Abraita, Hamoder Hana'ah Me'anshei so if somebody says, I am not going to accept any benefit from the Anshei Ha'ir, so that, in that case, the Anshei, or the, the citizens of the city, let's say, so anybody who lived there 12 months is forbidden to, this person is forbidden to benefit from them. But less than that, so he's allowed to, so if I say, I will not accept any benefit from anybody who lives in Los Angeles, who's a Los Angeles citizen, an Anshea year. So then it has to be, so people who lived here for 12 months, I cannot benefit from them. But if I say from the, the those who are settled in the city, the city settlers, residents as opposed to citizens, or something like that. So anybody who lived there for 30 days, so its benefit is forbidden. But less than that, you can one can benefit from them.
So that means this is saying that there's a different the distinction between the 12 months of the Mishnah and the 30 days of the Brita is that the 12 months of the Mishnah are those who are really citizens of the city. So is it true, the Gemara asks, that for everything we need 12 months? So Tanya, don't we have another so there gives us a whole list of a palette of obligations starting 30 days. You have to contribute to the uh, soup kitchen, uh, three months to the community chest, six months for the for clothing, nine months for the burial society, and 12 months for the upkeep of the city, like the wall. So uh, Ravasi says in the name of Yochanan, the obvious answer, our mission is only talking about that final step, that Paseyayir. So just as an aside, it's really fascinating, or I think it's important, that in defining residents of the town, they are defined by, not by privileges, but by obligations. Three months this six months this, nine months that, but these are the obligations you have to undertake at each point and obligations towards others and towards the upkeep of the town. As we continue, Rabasi said in the name of Rabbi everybody has to contribute for the upkeep, for the infrastructure. And even the orphans have to contribute to the infrastructure. But sages don't. Because the sages don't need to be guarded, to be protected, as we saw before. Amar of Papa, Lishura Uluparsha Ulitarzina, Afilu Miyatmi Avarabanan Latrihi Nitiruta. So Rav Papa says, we also have a tradition of Rav Papa, that for the wall, for the rider, the horse rider goes around and guards the city. And for the official Tarzinas, um, Rashi says it's a the one who guards the armaments. Um, Sakhalov has Tarzina as just being an official. It's probably Rashi could be because of the, the end of it, Tarzina, from Clay Zion, that that's why he says it's the one who guards the, the armaments. I feel me, so even the orphans have to contribute for those three. However, Sages say sages don't have to uh, don't need protection, so therefore they don't have to contribute. Klala de milta. So the actual the principle is call milta de itle hanaamine anything from which there is a benefit, even the orphans have to contribute towards. Another example, Rabba Ramatstaka Ayatmi. Ayatmi de Bebar Maryan. They uh, the, the orphans of the house of Bebar Maryan contribute charity. Amalei Abayah, so Abayah said to Rabbi Bahatni, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yehuda, and Poskin Stakai, Tomim Rishmuel Bar Yehuda says, You do not assess uh, orphans for charity, a Philippinian Shriyan, even to uh, redeem captives, which is in and of itself an, a whole a higher mitzvah, which we'll talk about in a minute. Amalei, so Rabbi said back to him, Ana Lachshavune, Lachshuvinu Ka'avdina, Ka'avidna. He said, I am doing it actually to give the orphans a feeling of importance. And this is actually something that's interesting, that we have like homeless courts, so that homeless folks can see themselves as being responsible citizens before the law. Even though ultimately what that might mean is that they could then be sued or they can then have to pay a fine. So to here, just like the orphans, uh, the fact that they are, and that we demand from them that they paid staka means that we consider them as part of the community. 
Okay, Ifra Hormiz, Ime Deshvar Malka. And so Ifra Hormiz, who is the mother of Shapur, uh, the Sasanian king. Shadra Arnaka Didinri Lakamirabiasis. So she sent a pouch full of money to Rabbi Yosef. Amrasa, she said to him, Ifrahumaz is known all over in various places in the Bavli as a righteous queen. So she sent this money to Rabbi Yosef and she said, Lehebi Le Mitzvah Rabbah, it should be to a great mitzvah. So Yatu Rabbi Yosef, my mitzvah Rabbah. So Rabbi Yosef sat down and, and was thinking about this, studying this. What is considered a great mitzvah? So Abaye said to him, From the factor of Shmuel Bar Yehuda, we just saw, it says that you don't assess, char- assess the orphans to pay charity, to contribute to charity, even even for redemption of Shvuyim, redemption of, of, of those who are taken captive. Shmamina, this teaches us so that redemption of captives is a great mitzvah. So Rava asked Rabba Barmari, So what's the source to say that the redeeming captives, is a great mitzvah? So Rabbi Murray answered him, because it says in the verse, So it says in, in Echa, when it says, when they say to you, where shall we go? You should say to them, "Thus said God: Those who are to death, to are to de- those are who are to die, are to die. Those by who, who by sword will be by sword. Those who by famine, by famine. And those who in captivity, by captivity." Those things in this verse, which are later, are harsher than those which are earlier in the verse. So. Being killed by the sword is is harder than just dying. How do you know that? You can either know it from a verse or know it from theory, from a logical argument. So what is the svara? What is the theory? So if you're killed by a sword, you you are desecrated. And if you're not, if you just die, you're not. And, per, and there is also, if you want, I could... Bring a verse. The dear is to God, death to his righteous. So death, but not being killed by sword. So how do you know that hunger is worse than sword? I could tell you that it is a, a logical theory. So one who dies of, of hunger suffers a lot. But one who dies of sword doesn't suffer so much. Or I can give you a verse. Those who were killed by sword are better than those who were killed by hunger. And being taken captive is harsher than all of them because all of them, they, they all of these different things, the hunger, the the famine and the being killed by a sword and the dying are all included in being taken captive. So it's the harshest of all punishments or fates.
Tznarabanan, another text. Kupa shel tzdakan is a tosefta in Peah. I'm sorry, Mishnah Peah. Kupa shel tzdakan igbeit b'chnayim in chalakit b'shlasha. So the uh, community chest is collected with two and divided by three. It's collected by two, two because one does not place somebody in a position of power over the community, less than two people. So if you have a position of authority over the community, you have to put two, two people have to be in it. And it is divided up, the tzedakah is divided up by three people because it's just like issues of monetary law. And issues of monetary law, uh, you need a three-person court to do that. The uh, uh, soup kitchen is collected by three and is divided by three. So that its collection and its division is equal. So the, the soup kitchen collection is on every day, and the kupa is the community chest is from is a week long. And the tamchui is for everybody, for all the poor people in, in, in all the world. In other words, anybody who passes by, passes through. And the kupa is only for the poor people of that city. And then here's an interesting, an interesting law. Rashaim So the Binehair, the citizens of the town, residents of the town, can make the money for the kupa, can can exchange the money for the kupa, so the money for the Tamchui for the uh, soup kitchen, Tamchui Kupa, and the opposite. And also actually to make it into anything they want. And the conversation around this amongst the Rishonim, the medieval commentators, is whether anything they want is anything or only Turchayanim, or only the needs of the poor. Tosvot, amongst others, say it's anything they want. And so it could be for you know repainting the the synagogue, could be for you know a new menorah, could be for paving the streets. And the Rimagash and the Rama in the middle in the Middle Ages, Ramagash's Maimonides' father's teacher, and the Yad Ramaz, Mayor Levi Malafia, later in Spain, um, say that actually it's only for the needs of the poor. And here, there, in that context, the Rama says something interesting, which is that as soon as money is collected for the poor, it's as if the poor own it. So therefore, if you use it for anything else, it's stealing from the poor. Okay, now here we get to a continuation of this Mishnah, which becomes really, really important in, in the 20th century discussion of labor unions. The residents of the town, the Bnei'ir, have the power to make conditions about, the, about measurements and weights and the uh, pay of laborers and to find those who transgress what they said. Okay, we're not going to go into it, but just tagging, actually, the next page will be a little bit more, just tagging that that actually becomes important many centuries later in terms of the union fight. Issues about labor. Amar Mar. Okay, so we're now going back. Enos in Surah, going back in, and into this Braita. Enos in Surah, Talat Sibur, Pachot Mishnayim. One does not create authority over the community less than two. 
So Nachman says it's a verse because it says in, in collecting for the temple, all these things that you need for the temple were collected by him, by them, a plural. And so the least plural is two. Sirarut hudla avdi hahimune meheman. It is just authority, which is uh, not less than two. But however, we trust hahimune meheman, but we still trust one person. This helps Rabbi Chanina. This is in support of Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Chanina Rabbi Chanina related a story, a halachically important story, that Rabbi appointed two brothers for the kupa, for the community chest. So two brothers, meaning that normally they would not be that you can't have two brothers, you can't have two brothers as witnesses, and therefore, since you can't have two brothers as witnesses, you can't have two brothers as judges. So therefore, they're making the distinction here that you could have, you, you need the two for sirarut, but still, we trust each one of them. My sirarut, what does it mean, authority over the community? Dhamma of Nachman, Rabba Bar Avua, Rab Nachman says the name of Rabba Bar Avua, Lefishem Mashkinin al Hatsidakah. Because you put a lien on somebody's property in order to collect the tzedakah. It's interesting, in the Yerushalmi, it actually says that it's not dine mamono, but dine nefashot. It's actually capital law, right? Because it's life and death. So then the Yerushalmi says, so why don't you have 23 people? Because you only need three people for monetary law, but for capital crimes, you need 23 people. And he said, well, because until you get 23 people to collect and to divide up the to divide up the the tzedakah, people will will have died. So that's why it's only three. But it's interesting. I think that the Yushami recognizes that the division of tzedakah is a life and death issue. Because you put a lien on people for the tzedakah body, even in Arab Shabbos. So ini is that true? It says in Yirmiyahu, "Vayu banav kikedem vaadato lif." You have to get the magnifying glass. Right? And my children will be as of old, and the community, the Eida, will be reborn before me, will be established before me, and I will remember all those who oppress them. Right? It says in the name of Mishmei Dirav, in the name of Mav, Afil al Right. Even about, so what is kol It includes those who collect charity. So therefore, recognizing that people going around collecting charity can also be oppressive. La kasha. This is not a question. So it's only lo only charity collectors are only considered oppressive when they go to somebody who's not wealthy. But when they go to somebody who's wealthy, then it's not oppressive. Just like as Rava, who forced Rabbi Natan Barami and took from him 400 Zuzim for charity. Okay, moving on. Now the next uh, few lines is going to be explicating this verse in Daniel. And the enlightened will shine like, or the enlightened, or the intelligent, will shine like the shining sky, and those who justify the masses will be like stars forever and ever. 
So, so they say, what is maskilimia zahiru kizorakia? Those who are enlightened or intelligent will shine like the lights of the sky. This is a judge who judges a true judgment. And what does it mean, These those who are righteous for the masses or righteous of the masses will be like stars forever. These are the collectors of tzedakah, right? So that's how they rabim. They create righteousness for the many. However, it says in a Mishnah, those the enlightened who shine like the Star like the shining heaven. The this is a judge who judges a true true judgment. Oh, I'm sorry, judge true judgment and the Gabeit Staka and those who collect charity. And the second half of the verse, those who merit the 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 many uh, will be like stars forever. And this, these are those who teach young children. So two different explanations of this verse. And then the Gemara asks, the Stam asks, who is this like? Amarav, so Rav says, Kigon Rashmul Balshela, Bar Shelat. This is like Rashmul Bar Shelat. He's the Lamde Tino. To Rav, Ashkechel Rashmul Bar Shelat, because Rav came across Rashmul Bar Shelat in the street, Avikoya Beginte, and he was walking by himself. Armalai Shivakte Lahim Nutach. Have you abandoned your flock? Those who are, those who, upon whom you were. You were uh, appointed, Amarle, meaning your students, your Tino coat. Amarle, ha, tleser, shnindla, chazili. It is 13 years that I haven't, that they haven't seen me. And still, my mind is upon them. So even 13 years later, I still think of them. So he is like the Matzike Rabim. And what do the rabbis say about this verse? So they actually use the end of the verse. Or I'm sorry, they actually use a verse from Shoftim, from Judges 5. And that God's beloved is like the sun that goes out in its strength. Okay, we're going to stop here. I'll pick up there next time with uh, more about Gabayit Staka. Thank you for, for joining me a little longer this week. I hope it was worth it. Hope to see you next week, as it were. If you give me 40 minutes or so, I'll try to give you a daf or so. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.